Welcome into the 11 Dubcast presented by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. We are doing it live. Bo Bishop in Northeast Ohio, Johnny Ginter in Central Ohio. Uh, we've got a big, big show this week because the head basketball coach at Ohio State is going to join us momentarily. So we have that going for us, which is nice. <laughs> And uh, that'll be fun. And um, it's his interview that that uh, the Czar and I, Jason, interview uh, recorded with him earlier. Um, and so, uh, sadly, the timing couldn't work for Johnny to do it. But hopefully, he's there in spirit. And it's a it's an all encompassing interview. Um, you want to know like how he got the job, his thoughts about the job, how he considered not taking the job. It's all in there. Um, and I also ask him a few Hoosiers questions at the end. So there's, there's, and not Indiana Hoosiers. I'm talking about the movie, the Gene Hackman. <laughs> we get to that at the end. Cause he coached at Butler, which is where Hinkle Fieldhouse um, is located. So there's some good stuff in there and um, you'll enjoy that a great deal. But before we get to that, Johnny and I, we, this is sad news for us. And I think you even love him more than I do. And I like him a lot. Uh, Kerry Combs is out at Ohio state. Yeah. We've known for a couple days, obviously, now at this point, but he released a statement today. Urban re- released a statement, I think, on Monday uh, that Kerry was out. I did not see this coming um, in any way. If if you were to say, Bo, list the Ohio State assistant coaches who are most likely to leave for an NFL job, I would have put Kerry Combs and Larry Johnson at the very bottom of that list. Uh, even had Zach Smith. <laughs> like, I mean, somebody's going <laughs> to gig for him doing something. But I mean, like the other guys. You know, it's it's hard. It was hard for me to find to think that Kerry and certainly Larry, despite being incredibly qualified, um, would jump to the NFL. They just seem like college coaches to me. So I was stunned at the news that he was going to go to the Tennessee Titans and join Mike Vrabel there um, in a similar capacity. I get it. This guy is a was a lifelong high school coach that got his dream job coaching at Ohio State, and now he gets coaching the NFL. Uh, it's crazy uh, what's happened for him. So I, I'm sure he's pinching himself at the idea of coaching in the NFL, but it, it, it was a shocking hire for me and a shocking departure. How did it hit you? Yeah, I mean, I'm sad the hashtag master is going to be gone from He's the Ohio State program. I mean, if his, he had this little farewell tweet where he had like a hashtag with like 40 characters in it or something <laughs> like that, which is pretty great, and a comma in the middle, which is cool. Right. Um, <laughs> But no, I you know I'm gonna miss the dude just in part because he's such a crazy guy. On the you know on Eleven Warriors on the masthead, we had uh, one of his quotes like you know you're getting water and you're a kicker and all that kind of stuff. And just yeah. his personality is is just so big and clearly really loved by the players. Um, you know, in that sense, I think from a writing standpoint, just from a, a culture standpoint, you're gonna miss him at Ohio State. I. What I think is really interesting, and I was kind of looking at his career, and you're right. I mean, he was in Cincinnati at Cole Ram for so long. I I don't think I'm surprised at the idea that he would jump at an opportunity like that. I'm surprised that the opportunity would come to a you know a guy like him. And not to say that he's a bad coach by any stretch of the imagination, but it just is odd to me that the NFL would look at him like, yeah, let's go. You know, secondary coach, come on. I, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, obviously, like if you look at his track record at Ohio State, I mean mm-hmm. – the guys that he's been able to produce have obviously done great things in the NFL, but for whatever reason, he just didn't strike me as a guy that seemed to be sexy enough for the league. And and apparently that's, that's not the case. And as sad I am that he's not going to be on the team, I, I think he's going to be really good. And uh, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe it's one of those things where in two or three years, he's the head coach of the, the Bengals or the Browns or something crazy like that. So who knows? It's all in play. This was a, this was a, there was one guy who was going to hire him. 
Right. Like when yeah. you say the NFL came after him, no, Mike Vrabel did. You had to know. Right. That's fair. That is uh, very. The fair. rest of the NFL wasn't coming to Urban and saying, "Hey, I want to get your secondary coach." I mean, Mike right. Vrabel did because Mike Vrabel knew him. Fifty-five-year-old guys who's coached for thirty-five years in high school tend to not make it to the NFL. Right. Um. You know. So th- this was Mike Vrabel knew him. Mike Vrabel knew how good he was at coaching the secondary, and uh, probably special teams. I'm sure he'll handle some of that as well with the Titans. So I see the fit there. I I understand why he would have eyes on the NFL. I mean, you have, that has to pinch yourself. I mean, you equate it to anything you do in life. And, and, um, I, I, I can, like, I can equate it to my own life. Like if I, if I would have stayed in Columbus and worked at channel 10 and 97.1, the fan that, that to me in my profession would have be would have been very much like Kerry Combs being the guy at Ohio, at Ohio state like that. Yeah. That was a great gig. Right. And there were opportunities at, at bigger places. And you always thought, well, boy, if anything ever came about, maybe I would like to go to ESPN or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was probably what the NFL was for Kerry Combs was, I mean, who thinks of that to coach in the NFL? You may be in the back of your head, think I can be a position coach at Ohio State. But at this age, you get a run in the NFL, go live in Nashville. I mean, it's a, I get it for him. It also, um, it, it, it did shock me when it happened. It also brought me to this realization. There is one assistant coach left on Ur- from Urban Meyer's original Ohio State staff, Dak Smith. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dak Smith. That's it. Uh, That's the list. That's yeah. a pretty. Uh, we can. I mean, we all know about that, but the that's a pretty incredible turnover in six seasons right. to have one guy left in six seasons. I mean, and let's also remember. Now, it seems to be different this time. Urban's hired different guys, better guys. He's had a few misses with the Tim Beck stuff and uh, having Ed Warner be the offensive coordinator obviously didn't work out exactly the way it, he planned. But um, to ha- the undoing for him at Florida was he didn't trust his assistant coaches. And so he worked like a dog. Uh, right. He didn't trust any of them. So this is a pretty amazing turnover in six years, and especially in the last two years. Well, you the know. The amount of turnover he's had. Zach Smith is is clearly now the uh, the coach in waiting at Ohio State, and so <laughs> oh, just waiting for the opportunity <laughs> to be named oh, assistant coach, assistant head you coach. Think, can Steve Adazio have a gig somewhere yeah. for that guy? Get <laughs> him. It's amazing, though. I mean, isn't that something? Like, yeah, no, it's about, it's you nuts. And you know what's Ohio crazy? State, Trestle. Trestle yeah. had eight fifty. Half a Trestle staff was there the whole time. It seemed like right. You know, well. And it was it was weird because you look at guys like Jim Haycock and, and Jim Bullman who were there forever, and yeah. you're like these guys are never leaving. And then so in one case, you know, you would look at that Jim Bullman like that, like that we're cursed, yeah. like this he's haunting right. Ohio Stadium, right. like he's he's actually dead and a ghost that he can't leave. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it's really crazy. And I was thinking about with with Kerry Combs, like honestly, when he was hired, I think a lot of people were extremely skeptical of that initial hire. And I think you know, most people point, thought it was just so Urban had a way into Cincinnati for exactly recruiting. right. And and to your yeah. point, I mean, I think you know Urban and his assistants and whatnot. I mean, I honestly thought that he was going to be a guy. Kerry Holmes was going to be a guy who might have been gone just a couple of years. They would upgrade eventually at that position. Yeah. And he ended up being the dude who who was producing. I mean, granted, I I really don't know the ins and outs of being a secondary coach. I don't know exactly what all goes into it, but clearly a lot of the guys coming out of the program were amazing. So yeah. And what's what that's let's not gloss over that for all of the raw, raw stuff and the quotes and the fun stuff. This guy was as good at his job 
as anybody on the staff. Right. I mean, if Period. you're going to give look, if you're going to give Luke Fickle and, and Larry Johnson credit for linebackers and you know defensive line and all that, then you have to give Kerry Combs credit for what was going on with the secondary and the guys that have come out uh, of of you know especially the cornerbacks. I mean, you you have to give him at least some credit for the fact that they produced so many great NFL players or at least really high draft picks. It would be and great NFL players. It would be very easy yeah. to argue that that is that has been the best position under Urban Meyer at Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, offensive I mean, I line and corner, offensive line and corner. In terms of you know what what Urban's whole program is set up for is this is we're going to get you ready for the NFL. Offensive line and corner, they've been the best. I mean, as anybody in the country, no one's done better at corner and offensive line than Ohio State. So yeah, yeah and he's he's that guy. So Urban will have to make a hire there. Um, I know Dan wrote something on the side about some perspective names. Um, they do have a little bit of time with this, I think. There's, it's not going to be a big rush, so I think they'll take some time, and they'll, it'll probably happen in the next week to 10 days. But um, I'll miss him. I'll miss him a lot. I'll miss his energy, and I'll miss um, everything he brought to the program, certainly the way that he coached the position, because it's as, as good as anybody has. Um, still to come, ask us anything. But first, coming up next, I'll be joined by the czar and the head basketball coach of Ohio State, Chris Holtman. He will do... That coming up shortly. Before we do that, though, we do encourage you to check out the dry goods store at 11warriors.com. Bo Bishop and Jason, the czar with us as well. And we only get the czar for a few things, but we do have the current head men's basketball coach at Ohio State, which is a great pleasure to have Chris Holtman in the show. Coach, we thank you for your time. And and right away, let's just get right into it. And, And what I'm most curious about is if you could hop in a DeLorean, you know, throw a banana in Mr. Fusion and go back to early June of a year ago, and, and you're in Indianapolis, you're the head coach of Butler, and the news comes out that Thad Montague, obviously you very well know, uh, is, is out at Ohio State. And then and what is your thought process? And do you think to yourself at that time, boy, that's a gig I'd sure like? Or what's your thinking at that point, and how did it come to fruition? You know, I, I, I first of all, I was uh... – you know, friend of Thad, so I was, you know, concerned, and I realized that he's, you know, had some health concerns and health issues, so I wasn't real sure how much that all played into it, but uh, it followed from a distance, and, you know, like anybody was was surprised, but um, I think uh, it was not a job that I was going to seek out. Uh, I think I, you know, committed that, hey, if they had interest, that they would call. But beyond that, I wasn't going to reach out um, because I was really happy at Butler. Um, having said that, I have great uh, respect for Ohio State and this place and uh, the opportunity here and certainly the job that Coach Mon and his staff did for so long. It was almost unparalleled. Uh, I mean, he had unparalleled success. Uh, during the middle of his tenure. So, you know, we, I felt like it was um, an opportunity that if they did have interest, I would have to uh, consider. But I was also balancing that with being really happy at Butler and having a good team back and feeling good about the direction of, of our program there heading into our fourth season. Now, is that is it a whirlwind then? Okay, so, Gene, do you, you get the call from Gene, I assume, and then – Ohio State's interested. They want to make you an offer. And this is not a traditional way of coaching coaches being hired. I mean, this is the middle of summer. 
Um, what's what happened? What's that like? And and certainly that wasn't in the brochure. This isn't this is not how this typically goes. But nevertheless, you're in the position, and now it's Ohio State. Um, j- just kind of take me through that a little bit, if you will. And 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 when you land it, all of a sudden you're at a press conference in Columbus, and you're the head coach at Ohio State. Yeah, it's been it's been quite the uh, past few months. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I'm I'm um, looking forward to having just a minute or two of downtime when uh, when the season ends, and uh, because it has been it has come at us uh, from day one as a staff. Um, you know, I, you don't you don't think that I was at a golf outing, uh, I believe on that Friday that the press conference was announced, and I was. Um, doing a benefit uh, for the head coach at Oakland University for cancer uh, research, um, doing a fundraiser with him. He had brought in several coaches. <clears throat> so being up there, you know, you heard about it. I remember driving back, and it crossed my mind, hey, are they going to call? Um, and But that's that's kind of where I left it and didn't say anything to my wife. On the drive back, she mentioned that she had heard that, that Coach Mata uh, was no longer the coach at Ohio State. But the weekend passed, and um, uh, maybe the press conference was on Monday. I think it was on Monday, wasn't it? Um, yeah. The, the next day, um, so it might have been Monday that, that, that I was playing in that event. The next morning is when I got a call, and it was from um, – a third party asking if I had interest. And then uh, I got another call from, from that same party uh, that afternoon, late in the afternoon, uh, basically offering me the position and giving me some of the terms uh, as, long it was, as long as I was willing to meet with Gene and the meeting went well, uh, the job would probably be mine. Um, I told them at that point I needed to, I needed to have some time to, to think through some things. Uh, they wanted to meet. Gene wanted to meet on Wednesday morning, and if that wasn't ready uh, to have that meeting uh, because of a chance to kind of vet the whole process. And um, I was actually in the middle of, uh, of, of uh, some doctor's appointments and meetings. My mind was somewhere else, too. Yeah. Uh, so it, it went really fast. Day to Thursday after kind of saying to Gene, hey, listen, I'm, I'm just not ready, began to look in some other directions. I called him back and said, hey, I, you know, I, I think um, I might have had a change of heart. Maybe I would like to have at least a conversation with you and see where that goes. And that was, um, I think, on Thursday. Great. Coach, thanks for joining us. Um, so you get to Columbus, you settle in, you start looking at your roster. Um, what were your expectations coming into the season once you had a grasp on what you had and, and what was returning on the, with the program? You know, I, I felt like obviously I knew where the pundits and preseason polls had us had us picked, and and I was well aware of that. Um, anywhere from you know from eleventh to fourteenth in in the Big Ten, you know having Having been aware of that, you know, I didn't want to be my uh, my judgment or our coach's judgment on what what we could be. Right. So, uh, are you would really help us? Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I guess the the follow up that would be like, are you as surprised as most of the fans seem to be 
at, at what you've been able to do this year, or, or did you kind of expect that based on, on some of the workouts you were seeing? No, I, I don't think I did expect it, uh, to, be, to be honest with you. I felt like we would have a chance to potentially um, uh, surprise some people if we could get better as the year went on. I felt like early in the season we would struggle at times because of them learning our, our system, us learning them, the players, and learning their strengths. I just felt like it would really take some time, and I felt like, hey, maybe if we get into mid-January and February, having known that we were probably going to struggle for the first month or two, I thought maybe we could surprise some people. And, you know, did I have any thought that, hey, could we get back to a postseason, an NIT or an NCAA? You know, you have that as a goal, but I don't know that I – you know, was able to sit there at that point and and say, hey, this team is definitively this, because I just didn't know. So right. certainly as a coach, you're surprised. No coach, every coach is lying if they don't tell you that they would be surprised about going undefeated through the first month of, of league play. Um, you know, that just, that's, that's, that's not normal unless you're an elite, in an elite, elite um, situation. But I did feel like with the leadership that we had with our older guys, because of the kind of people they are and the players they are, that that would give us a chance. Right. And, and since you've started so hot and, and, and kind of flipped the notion of what this team could be this year, has your definition of what success means this year changed? Well, I think uh, certainly when you, you win – you know, you your belief increases, and and you know your own hope for what you can be uh, probably grows. But you know, for us, as much as possible, we're we're trying to stay committed to being to being in the moment. So I, I really don't don't like projecting um, as to what we can be. Just like when we started the season, I didn't. I didn't like projecting good or bad what we could be. I just think the focus needs to be on 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 improving and getting better. And we realize that um, you know league play is hard, and we're going to get knocked around. And uh, our margin for error is not is not great. We know that we we cannot come out and and play average and win Big Ten games. So that puts some pressure on us to be at our very best. Um, but uh, certainly, we have positioned ourselves through this point of the season to play meaningful games in February and hopefully into March. And as a coach, um, that's that's all you can hope for. And I know our players are really excited to play games that really matter uh, to us as we move forward. Coach, I, I think one of the most amazing things that you've done with this team, you know, to, to, when Michigan State's number one and you knock them off in your place, uh, upsets happen, right? But but what is most impressive to me is that you that that wasn't that wasn't the end of it. That was just the beginning. And then you played a, a really tricky schedule from that point forward. And and I I kind of I guess I the, for lack of a better phrase, I your give a damn factor that this team has is really off the charts. Their buy-ins off the charts. You've known these guys for like seven months. How have you done that? How have you gotten such a complete buy-in 
and and gu- I mean, God, the guts your guys have. I mean, there's been plenty of times over the last couple of weeks where they could have pushed the chips in and say, yeah, we're we're going to take the loss tonight. It's fine. This isn't our night. But it is. It hasn't happened. Uh, you know, even the Penn State game. You know, on Thursday night, there's plenty of opportunity. So you know what? It's just not in. They're they're shooting lights out. They're like the Golden State Warriors. But but it comes down to the very last second. I mean, just no quitting this team. How have how have you been able to get them to believe um, so fully? Well, I appreciate you saying that because that's what I've sensed as well. We've sensed as a coaching staff is is they really care, like really care now. I mean, it's it, it, it's it's a it's amazing and a and a lot of fun. Uh, to lead a group and be a part of a group that cares at this level, uh, we have we have a group that is agendaless in a lot of ways, and that's a rarity in today's game. Um, and it is really a credit to um, Jay Sean Tate, Kate Bates Diop, Andrew Dockage, uh, C.J. Jackson, Cam Williams, some of the older guys that have set the tone for that and have been committed to, to uh, our team being at the forefront of, of any success we have. And um, they've embraced a new coaching staff and a new way of doing things when it wasn't always easy for them, and it was in a lot of ways very different. So, you know, for, for me, philosophically, when you, when it begin, when you begin with good young people in your program. And obviously they have to be talented enough to help you do things. But when you begin with people who care about and want to be a part of something um, bigger than their own self-interest, it's a really good place to start. And I think you can create uh, something special uh, if you have enough guys that embrace that. And up to this point, you know, through the bulk of the season, or at least uh, over half of the season, we we have that. We have a group that has really embraced um, being a part of something. You know, I, I think you've been pure joy to watch. I mean, I, I we haven't. It's just been fun all the way around, and I, I sense it in your staff. And um, I will admit that this is coming from a biased perspective because you've hired a great friend of mine, Scooney Penn, on your staff. And um, I see these videos that go viral uh, post game yeah. of, of him leading these chants and. Uh, most people who listen to us and know us and, and certainly know that you know Scooney he bleeds scarlet and gray. I mean, he, he really does. Yeah. And um, he, the other thing that he was, is he was around the program the, the players knew him. Um, you know, he played pickup. He was around, he was in the gym. They knew him. Um, what's his hire meant to that? When we talk about buy-in, when we talk about give a damn factor. Well, I think you, you mentioned it. He loves Ohio state. Uh, the scarlet and gray means a lot to him and his family. And he was a heck of a player. We all know that. And a heck of a competitor. Uh, one of the all-time greats here. Um, I think he's he's learning, um, you know, what a day-to-day operation in college basketball looks like. Um, and I think that uh, has been probably really beneficial for him. Uh, what he's brought to our group is is this idea that, hey, play for Ohio State. And uh, I did it, and look look what it's done for me throughout my entire life. And, uh, um, you know, his enthusiasm is infectious, as you know. Um, you know, we, 
David Egelhoff, who, uh, I, first of all, you know, I've got a, I've got a great staff, and yeah. the, I brought three guys from Butler, uh, Ryan Pete and Terry Johnson, Mike Schrage, who are outstanding assistant coaches. They do the scouting and the recruiting, and they're really, really good. And uh, we added to that with a support staff, David Egelhoff being one that we uh, uh, kept on uh, from from Thad's uh, staff. And, you know, that the origins behind us uh, singing um, Carmen, Ohio, and really the last stanza of Carmen, Ohio, um, came from Dave when we were talking about, hey, what do we want to do to celebrate as a team every win? Oh, that's great. And uh, it's something that we had done at Butler that I loved. It was a post-game tradition where, hey, listen, if you can't sing, even if you didn't play well or you didn't play much, but if you can't sing uh, and celebrate after a win, then you got some issues. And uh, Scooney's taken it to a whole nother level, as you'd expect. <laughs> he has um, uh, he's, he's putting his own spin on it. Um, and I love it. You know, I love it. And you've seen a couple, uh, uh, probably that a couple things that have went out through our social media people, but I love that, you know, um, uh, just shot of us celebrating after every win. Right. That's great. Um, you, you, coach, you talk about your, your support staff and your assistants and whatnot, and, how do you intend to to kind of build a program? Um, is there a preference between you know the one and done type talents, the players that stick around for three or four years, a mix? Yeah, you know, I, I, I we're not tied to anything in particular. I think uh, if if you have too many one and dones, right, you you um, you know you constantly have to go down that route. And I, I don't know that that's necessarily something we're built for. Um, but uh, we're looking for Buckeyes, and whether they're a one or two or three and done or they stay here all four years, at the end of the day, we're looking for guys that represent how we want to play and how we want to do things. Um, and I think that's, that'll be pretty broad. I think if they fit the kind of character and people and players we're looking for, um, certainly it could, be, it could be a one or a two and done. Um, but I also think we'll certainly have – uh, a, 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 certainly a large part of our roster will be guys that will be here for a few years or, or four-year players. Because I think that's how you keep some consistency um, of winning within your program. Now, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're a Duke or a Kentucky, perhaps you can go that one-and-down route every single year. Um, but I don't know if that's realistic for us. Sure. Um, and, and on the topic of recruiting, I know you can't speak to specifics, but just in a general sense, uh, has the success you've had this season opened doors on that front that maybe weren't open heading into the year? I don't know if it's open doors as much as it's maybe um, educated people on, hey, listen, this was, uh, you know, this this was looking like it could be, you know, three or four years before. Ohio State got good again, you know, maybe they've got a chance to – now, I do think after this year when you lose who we lose, potentially it's going to you – know, we're going to have to do some uh, some work that can – you know, it could be part of a part of the rebuilding process. But I think what they've been able to see is, hey, listen, 
I like how they play. I like the spirit and the energy that they play with. I like how um, uh, they play offensively and defensively. I want to be a part of that, or at least um, that validates in their minds an interest that they might already had. So I think that's what it's done maybe as much as anything. People that we've been recruiting have been really positive about the direction. Coach, do you think that um... – you know, the I know that you were asked in the press conference after the after the game on Monday about the attendance, and it's something that Thad dealt with, and they they tried a bunch of things. I think some of the stuff you've done already in terms of playing the in-state schools and getting them on the schedule, and uh, you're obviously very out and about in terms of of getting your brand out there. When it comes to building the program, and, and Jason asked you about recruiting and um and and its outreach and its its marketing, it's all those things that you have to do. What do you envision the Ohio State basketball program under Chris Holtman being? What what is the what as you look in your mind's eye, two years from now, five years from now, what is the Ohio State basketball program? You know, we hope to be nationally relevant um, on a consistent basis. Um, you know, I think anytime you're you're ranked in the top twenty-five, there's there's certainly being uh, nationally relevant. Um, you know, obviously, you know, before Thad got here, I think. Uh, we had been to three uh, three straight. The most tournaments we'd ever been to uh, was was three straight. And I think that it ended up going to seven straight. So it's a model of consistency there. Um, I think consistent consistently being able to to play in the tournament is something we hope to achieve, and then obviously advance um, and have years where you can really knock on the door and achieve something special. Uh, more than anything, I hope that our 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 fan base uh, sees a team that plays together, plays with energy, uh, cares, as you guys mentioned, really cares, um, and takes pride in wearing that uniform. And I hope people, when they leave, say, "Man, that you know, maybe they didn't always play their best, but you could tell uh, they 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 loved playing together. They loved their teammates, um, and they took pride in what they were doing." So. Uh, we hope those are, uh, you know, that all that is a byproduct of, of what we're trying to do on a day-to-day basis, we hope. I, I guess what I'm – is there any ceiling to the program? You know, Thad took it to the cusp, you know, playing in the National Championships yeah. Final Four. Um, you know, I saw that firsthand. And I, I know you certainly observed firsthand. I, to me, it seems like, you know, people toss around the term sleeping giant you know, with the Ohio State program, the in-state talent in, in the state is, is off the charts, as you know. Um, does it, do you feel, I guess, is it a dream job? Is it a sleeping, is it, can everything that you've ever wanted to be accomplished in coaching be accomplished here? Sure, I, I don't see why not. Uh, I, I don't think I would have left Butler if I didn't feel like it had the potential uh, to be something uh, special. Obviously, Butler's an outstanding situation as well, um, and one of capable of, of getting to a final four as it's been shown. I think, you know, it's hard to get to an elite eight. It's hard to get to a sweet 16. It's certainly hard to get to a final four. Um, You know, there's plenty of programs that have struggled to do that, that are elite and they just been knocking on the door for whatever reason, it's not been able to happen. So, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think there's a ceiling on this. I do think that, you know, I got to ask about, uh, the attendance and all those mm-hmm. things, you know, I, I just hopefully that will come in time. And hopefully uh, as people uh, see us, they'll have an appreciation and an excitement. I think I've sensed that already. Um, 
and I know that was some struggles in the past with um, with, with all that, with the size of the arena and, and other factors. But, uh, you know, we're trying to be focused on our team, but I, I don't feel like there's a ceiling. I feel like we have uh, the potential. Now, we're not there yet. We're, we're a ways away. But if we can put successive quality recruiting classes together uh, and identify the kind of people that we want to identify, and if we can coach them well enough, hopefully we'll be have a chance to, to do some of the things Coach Mott and his staff did. You know, if you build it, they will come, right? I mean, that's the deal. And I, and I, I know that they will. We saw it firsthand. And from one, you know, sports movie to the next, I, I'll get you out of here on this. You know, you mentioned, as we all know, head coach at Butler, we all know that. Uh, Hoosiers is the greatest sports movie of all time. I would, I would fight anybody to the death that argues with me on that. You were in that building. Uh, did you ever at any point, uh, you know, in an empty, you know, Hinkle will go in there and shoot the Jimmy Chitwood shot yourself? <laughs> you know, I, 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 uh, I did, I, I didn't, you know, <laughs> walking on that floor and, um, and being a part of that and, and then being a, obviously a fan of that movie. Uh, like all basketball fans are, at least certainly Midwestern uh, people are. Um, yeah, you kind of have a chance to walk around and uh, experience some of those things. We never measured the rims or <laughs> uh, did any of that, but uh, I, I walked, uh, you know, I walked around and got a feel for it. It's a special place. Uh, it's, you know, it's the perfect size for that place in that university. It's just over nine, 9,000. And uh Got a lot of history in there, and, and obviously Hoosiers being a big part of that. Yeah, I think I would have said I'll, I, just to myself, I'll make it, and then I would have done the sh- I would have dribbled and hit the little jump shot there right off the elbow extended. I would have probably done that every <laughs> night before I left. So I don't blame yeah. you. I would have done it every yeah. single time. Yep. Yeah. Coach, no appreciate doubt. your time, man. And and I just say um, how much I appreciate what you've done with this team because it's it's pure joy to watch, and it's fun, and it's – it's it's making my weeknights a lot of fun and my weekend certainly and we wish you nothing but the best the rest of the way and we thank you what for what you've done for the program already. Yeah, thanks so much. Great to be with you and hopefully at the end of the year you'll you'll feel the same way. We're going to work hard to make that happen. So thanks so much. And a reminder, don't forget to follow the 11 Dubcast on Twitter and rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, rate us high on iTunes if you can. All right, time for Ask Us Anything. We've got time for a couple after the uh, the, the big interview with the coach there. Uh, what do you have for us today, buddy? All right, so, again, first of all, please continue to send in these excellent questions. I'm, I'm pretty excited about the ones we got here. Um, <laughs> but you can, you can ask us anything by sending us a question to at 11 Dubcast on Twitter or dubcast at 11warriors.com uh, via email. So the first one's from our uh, good friend Alvin. He wants to know our favorite childhood video slash board game. So uh, board game is one that I'm sure you've never heard of. It's called the farming game. <laughs> I've not heard of the farming fantastic. game. It's really fantastic. Um, so it's a, it's, you would love it. It's, uh, it's basically, um, it's kind of like Risk and Monopoly with land management that actually so, does sound awesome i i do want to play that yeah there's like probably i think you could, there's up upwards of like six or eight people can play and you can you you each have your little land and then you can buy like different types of fruit or, or different types of crops you can be like a fruit farmer a wheat farmer a hay farmer cattle um and then as you roll the dice various things can happen to you like tapeworm can get in your fruit and you get no cherry <laughs> harvest for that year and you roll for your harvest check um or like you know like the cows go to slaughter and uh the slaughterhouse closes and you lose all your cow check for that year and then you got to pay your mortgage 
it's a fantastic game. I've never heard of anybody this side of the country who plays it. Um, but it was it was big where I grew up, and um, it's a damn good game. I mean, I played it with uh, my brother, and I played it last summer when I was home for like three hours. Wow, um, that's great. Yeah, it's and it's you can play it when you're like six, and you can play it when you're damn near forty, and it's going to awesome. be a good time. It's a pretty good time. That's legit. Uh, yeah, that Video reminds game me. Super Tech Mobile was the well, <laughs> well, yeah. that I mean, you, you know, come on, that, I feel like that's kind of a given, like that that. Yeah. That if game you have changer. any interest whatsoever in sports and video games, that was pretty much it. That and NBA Jam. Um, yeah, both were good. Two solid ones. I, you know, so it's interesting you say that about that board game, obscure board games, because um, so I was sitting with my dad and my brother-in-law and my soon-to-be brother-in-law in this room in the church where I was getting married. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our room is like right above where my wife's uh, room was. And we were kind of okay. like in this like kid I don't know, I guess like youth group room or whatever. And they had all these board games. They had the pretty typical ones like Risk and Settlers of Catan and all this other crap. Uh, but they had, like, I'm, I'm Episcopal, and they had uh, Episcopopoly, which I thought was really great. So it was basically <laughs> this, yeah, it was just yeah. this Monopoly, but it was themed like Episcopalian-themed Monopoly, which is something I've never seen before in my life. And also, frankly, would probably be the most boring game to play, like even more than regular Monopoly. Like right. sit down and have thirty minute meetings with the vestry every other day, and like it's just yeah. <laughs> so not. I what actually wouldn't recommend Episcopopoly. Personally. What was the boardwalk on Episcopopoly? I don't. I was. There were just a bunch of different churches and stuff. I was actually more interested in what the go to jail thing was. Oh um, right, go to hell. I think it, yeah, I right? think it was. <laughs> Got to be go to hell. No, Episcopalians don't go to hell. But Episcopalians, it's more like, you know, you've got to sit through three more meetings and then have like a long discussion about church. There's like, no hell in Episcopalian? There is, but that's, I mean, Episcopalians are much more worst. interested in procedures and, and long meetings and I discussions okay. about procedure. All right. Um, yeah, it's just like being, a, it's, it's an even more boring Catholicism, which I'm fine with. Um, yeah. And, you know, no Pope. Uh, so that was, you know, if anyone comes across Episcopopoly, avoid. But when I was a kid, uh, my board game, I'm, I'm always about risk. I'm always the risk. Yeah, risk is great. My all-time favorite board game. I'm a huge, huge fan of risk. I have a, a, a really kind of like an old school copy of risk in my classroom. And whenever we have like some extra time, I try to bust that out. And I just destroy all of these high school students nice. in risk. Because they don't know what it is. They never played it. And I'm really good at it. And yeah, it's that's nice. amazing. I Shaping love our world leaders. Destroying oh, high school kids. Yeah. Well, they got to learn failure early, so <laughs> it's part of life. Yeah, it's a good uh, one. I want to say video games when I was a kid. I played, you know, my dad got an NES when it first came out, and I was terrible with every game on that. N64 was really the big thing when I was like 10 and 12 years old. So I played a lot of like Super Mario 64 and, and Zelda. What's James and Bond was, was that? Was Goldeneye? Oh, Goldeneye. 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 Yeah. I don't, I feel, I don't big. even really like, I, I'm, Goldeneye is an amazing game. I am very nostalgic for Goldeneye, but part of me doesn't really want to start calculating how much time I put into those kind of games. Sure. Yeah. Because like, I would have completely wasted my childhood. I, I am positive yeah. that at a certain point in my life, for about maybe a year or two, maybe three to four hours a day, got placed into that game. So I that makes yeah. me feel a little bit sad about wasted opportunities <laughs> as a young person. But yeah. you know. It is what it is. Sure. Uh, so yeah, all those games, all those classic games in '64. That was that was pretty much my jam. Um, all right. So that's that's the first question. Thank you again, Alvin, for asking that. Second one here. This is from Scott. 
he wants to know, and this is about Kyle Snyder, who you know just had that huge success, obviously, in yep. the international tournament in Russia. Uh, is he the uh, best Ohio State athlete of all time? Uh, who else would be in the conversation? Jack Nicholas is. Yeah, we is, talked about this a little Owens, bit. Jack Nicholas, right? I mean, you have you have the most important track and field athlete of all time in Jesse Owens, I could argue, mm-hmm. and you have the greatest golfer of all time in Jack Nicholas. And Kyle Snyder may go down as I mean, he's on a track to go down as the, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Right. Um, but if you think about how long that career needs to be, like remember Alexander Karelin? You remember yeah. that guy? The he was in his bear? late thirties. I mean, yeah, he was. He, he had he didn't lose for like fifteen years. Right. And and then Rulon Gardner, in a fluky way, beat him in the Sydney Olympics. And um and so, but he, you know, like that guy was crazy. I mean, like he didn't lose for forever. I mean, no one. Right. And not only did he not lose, like he dominated people for fifteen years. So. Kyle is on a Kyle, Katie Ledecky, like he's on that track and yeah. Michael Phelps, like, you know, he's, he's on the first steps of that, you know, Phelps obviously is already there, but like Kyle Ledecky, like they're in the early parts of their career. And in terms of being recognized as, as the greats of all time, you know, then you, all they need is time, you know, it's just sustaining it. It's doing it over a 10 year period. And then that's, then you're there. Um, yeah. He's you know, that's it. He's close. I mean, he's done. He's done. You could say this. He's done more while at Ohio state than anybody in the history of Ohio state. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. Because while, a lot of this exists, Ohio state, a lot of, right. a lot of this, you know, some of this stuff happened after they'd left or, right. you know, but like in the, in this case of Kyle Snyder, he's been here and done all this. So that's, yeah. you could make that case. I mean, I guess if you're, so I guess there's two ways for me to look at this question one is you know in terms of just being a sports athlete what have you accomplished things like that we're talking about in pure athletic ability um i mean i i I, it's wrestling is such a hard sport it is so physically demanding uh both mentally and physically it's just ridiculous what you have to do to be on top of your game for that uh in terms of like all time i mean jesse owens not only did he go and and basically show up hitler in his own house which was incredible but I think his biggest athletic accomplishment was what setting like two world records in the space of yeah. essentially an hour while yeah, in college. He didn't just do that. He, I mean, yeah. So he's, yeah. I mean, I it's think a, Jesse Owens lucky. has to be up there. But honestly, yeah. like, like you said, it, it's all about longevity. If Kyle Snyder can go out and continue to win gold medals and win these international tournaments and just destroy people in the process of doing it. And honestly, right now, like I watched his matches, um, you know, in the, in the Russian tournament and I've seen his stuff. And the Olympics, I mean, there's really, it's not, it's not even close. Like the guys that he, he's, he's going against the best guys in the world. And none of these matches seem particularly difficult for him. I mean, they may be closer in terms of points, but he's just throwing dudes around. Like it's right now. I don't know that you can make an argument that there is a better athlete in college sports period, just in terms of sheer dominance, because it's, it's absolutely insane to watch him. Uh, wrestle and do well, is Ledecky still at Stanford? I, you know what? That's a good question. I don't know if she is or she isn't. If, if Katie Ledecky's in, in the conversation, then yeah. If yeah, Katie Ledecky's in, in that conversation, then I don't know what you do about that. Because anytime you see her like race and she beats him by like two and a half minutes, oh my god! Well, <laughs> it seems like I mean, like they don't. They're not even in the. It takes thirty-five seconds for them to get in the frame. They don't even swim the same. That's the thing. If they swam the events that uh, the men swim in the Olympics, because her really her her strength is 
the longer the distance is, the more dominant she is. And they don't swim the longest distance that the men do in the Olympics. And if the women did, she would be lapping people like two and three times easily. Yeah. Like yeah. it's, it's, so. she's absurd. So I, yeah, yeah. If she's but that's what you're talking about. I mean, that, that's, I mean, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about Ledecky and Kyle. I mean, they're both, right. <laughs> it's a hell of a start. I mean, it's in the Le- LeBron James type prodigy, you oh, know, type stuff. Absolutely. So yeah, it's cool. All right, so those are the questions. Let's ask us anything. Continue sending those in. They're great, and uh, we definitely appreciate them in the long, dark offseason that we are about to enter to. Yeah, really amp those up in the summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we want to thank uh, the czar for filling in for you. We especially want to thank Chris Holtman for taking the time and, and having the candor that he had in the interview. Um, and, I mean, you think, you know, like the head coach of Ohio State jumping on a podcast for 30 minutes. Yeah, it's pretty good. So <laughs> yeah, that says um, something about him. I mean, he's yeah, a great yeah. guy. Far more about him than it does about us. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> a really generous thing to do, and we're greatly appreciative of it. Um, all right, buddy. We will talk next week. Uh, same, same bat time, same bat channel. Yep. See you next week.